Well, we're continuing. The letter of 1 John is written by this apostle to a church that he has been pastoring for many years. The probability is the church is located in Ephesus. The dating of the letter, it's always, you know, somewhat of a challenge to date some of these letters. Probably the letter is dated somewhere in the 80s A.D., probably about that time. It is generally assumed, when I say generally assumed, I don't mean by everyone agrees with this, but generally it is assumed that the author of this letter is the beloved disciple who is mentioned in uh, the Gospel of John, the author of John, whom we call John. And he is also the author of Revelation, although some would believe that is not the case. But the important thing is this. The author of this letter, as with every one of the 66 books of the Bible, is who? The Holy Spirit himself. God, the Holy Spirit. So whatever this apostle is saying to us, that is the Holy Spirit speaking to us. And as you know, the emphasis that I like to say, I don't mind saying John said this or Paul said that or Peter said that because that's the truth. But I don't like to always say it that way. I regularly like to say the Holy Spirit says this to us or the Holy Spirit speaks through the Apostle John. Why? Because that's where the emphasis really is, correct? And so every word that we're learning in this and these three, if you would, tests of the genuineness of our salvation, all of this is given to us by the Holy Spirit through this Apostle. So this is God's very word to us from our Heavenly Father via the Holy Spirit to each one of us personally. And the word is this. If you are a believer, the assurance of your faith, the assurance that you are in and with Christ, the assurance that you are saved, the assurance that you will be kept saved until that great day when the Lord Jesus returns. The assurance is listed in three ways in this particular letter. The assurance of our salvation is not based only and probably firmly on whether or not we made a profession of faith. That doesn't mean that if we made a profession of faith, we're not saved. But we cannot point to that as our salvation if these three collectively, collectively don't what reveal the evidence of the Holy Spirit in us. Are you with me today? We cannot say, I went down and I said yes to Jesus and I, you know, received Jesus. Or I asked Jesus to come into my heart, however you have put it. And now I'm saved because of that. Well, that might be the case. But the proof of that is where are you? going to be passing what we're calling the moral test, the relational test, and the doctrinal test. So when people begin to talk about their relationship with God, are you really saved? How do you know? It's okay to point perhaps to the point in the moment that you feel you were saved. I went down to the altar. I was at home, the Holy Spirit, whatever. That's great. But the proof that the Bible gives us is not there. 
The proof is, who are you today? What is happening in my life and in your life today? Where is the evidence when? Not back 20 years ago. That could have been the starting place. But what is happening today? So we have been going through this. And you remember John introduces these proofs in the first three, I'm sorry, verses three and four in chapter two. And by this, you know that we have come to know him. How? How do we know? What is the moral test? How do we know if we're in Christ? What is the moral test? Remember, all three tests have to be passed. It's like a three-legged table. Which leg of the table isn't necessary for the table to remain standing? Which leg? All three are necessary collectively, all three. So we don't say, well, I have more proof here, whatever. That might be as far as a practical thing. But the activity or the evidence itself is equal. Each test equally shows something about our relationship with God. So what is the first, if you would, test that John gives us? How do I know I'm a believer? I walk in obedience. I'm obeying God. I'm obeying God. Does that mean I'm doing it without error? No. But that means that the tenor of my life, the practice of my life is obedience. Even though them will be peppered with disobedience, even though there may be seasons of difficulty and uh, relational uh, things with God or sin, whatever. My life is characterized by obeying God. So the first thing you ask yourself is this. Is my life characterized by the word of God? If it isn't, then you cannot say, no matter what you think you did years ago, you cannot accurately say you're a child of God. Yeah, but I, I know that I'm saved because I did that. Although today, yeah, I'm living like hell, but it does, I know. No, the Bible doesn't allow that. The Holy Spirit will not allow that. So let's make sure we get it the way God gives it to us. Now, to keep his commandments means that our lives must be formed and fashioned by God's word. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. So when we say keeping his commandments, we're saying that our lives are formed and fashioned by God's word. I like that formed and fashioned. I, I read that in, an, uh, uh, in a writing that someone had done about First John, and so I steal it and give it to you. I, I don't remember the man's name, whatever, but I like that. So I'll use it regularly. Formed and fashioned by the word of God. Is my life formed and fashioned by God's word? Is God's word that important to me? Is it? Or is it something I take casually and once in a while I go to it? We have to be very careful about these things because this has to do with eternal destiny. You remember what Jesus said in Matthew 7, verses 21 to 23. He explains the significance of being formed and fashioned by God's word. Listen to Jesus. Not everyone who claims to be a believer, not only everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of God, heaven. But he who does the will of my father who is in heaven, 
Now, listen to these sobering words. Very sobering words. Many. What, what word did he use? He's talking about the church. He's talking about Lakeview Christian Center. He's talking about First Baptist Church. He's talking about such and such Assembly of God Church, such and such Anglican Church, Episcopal, whatever church. He's talking about us. Jesus is talking about people who proclaim to be believers. He says, many will say to me on what day? That day. That, that's the day when Jesus returns and collects all the nations before him to judge the nations. You, you remember, you'll read that in Matthew 25. The goats on one side and the sheep on one side, and he will judge the nations. And many will say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Didn't we perform Many miracles in your name. I know I'm saved because I'm doing the work of the ministry. I know I'm saved because I'm evangelizing. I know I'm saved because I'm teaching a class. I know I'm saved because I give 10% or more. I know I'm saved and say whatever activity, put it whatever activity you wish to put after I know I'm saved because. Is that a clear proof that you belong to Jesus? No. It is an indication that you do. You see the distinction. Indication and proof are two different words, right? So we use two different words. If a person says, I'm saved because, and he gives you a list of things, he may be actually saved and is not clar clarifying what he means, that could be. But if he is depending upon or basing his eternal security on what he is doing or not doing, is that sufficient proof? Yes or no? According to whom? According to what the Holy Spirit tells us. Now, I know people will say that's judgmental. It is, certainly. What does Paul say in 2 Corinthians 13, 5? Yes, you may write that down. It's not in your notes. 2 Corinthians 13, 5. He says, he's talking to the church, Jonathan. Paul is addressing the church, Rosa. And he says to church people, test yourselves to see whether you be in the faith. In other words, test yourselves to see if you're saved. He's telling the church people this, for goodness sakes. So what does Jesus say? There are going to be a whole lot of people that what? Are going to stand before me one day and tell me all the things that they did. The sermons that they preached. The places where they went. And what is he going to say? And then I will declare to them. What? Now get this right. I what? What word? Never. Are these people who were saved and lost their salvation? No. I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity or lawlessness. Now, we don't go anywhere else this morning. We need to get this right. How many of us have friends that we're not sure whether they're believers? How many of us? Relatives, friends, we're not sure. 
Are you judging? No. Jesus says, make a righteous judgment. Evaluate righteously. In other words, evaluate according to God's way of determining truth. We're to make discernments, but we're not judging in a way that you're not saved because you don't believe the way I believe, therefore you're going to hell. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about, does a person believe the way God explains that we must believe in him? So when you're sharing the gospel with people or sharing it with your friends, don't make categorical comments to them. Well, you can't be saved because I know you do this. Ask them questions. Do you believe or feel that you are obedient to God? Now, how many in here would say, with humility, I am an obedient person? That doesn't mean perfectly, but you, your life is characterized by obedience. How many of you would say that? If you can't say it, you're not saved. Come on. No, 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 no. Let, let's get past all this fleshly silliness. How many of us would say, my life is characterized by obedience? How many of us would say that? I hope all of us could. You know how squeamish we are? You see, not to say that and it's true is pride. To say it in truth is humility because it recognizes the work of God's spirit in condescending to give us eternal life. You see, it's not a comment about myself. It's a comment about God in me, correct? So how many of us, our lives are characterized by obedience? Yes, because it's a proclamation that Christ lives in me. I'm proclaiming him. Or at least I should be proclaiming him. So let's look at this and now ask this. All of us who raised our hands and we say we are living an obedient life. I'm living according to the word of God. I'm living, you know, the way God wants me to. This obedience is the first of three proofs. Not the only one, but the first of three. That is indicative that I am a child of God. We understand where we are. I know I take my time here. I am a slow, pokey teacher, but I believe in getting every little stitch rightly put together rather than leaving big holes in the garment and you fall through later on. So now that we say we're believers, where is the proof that what I say is my obedience? God agrees with me that I am obedient. Well, I've never done this. I've never done that. And I've never done the other thing. I certainly didn't go over there. I went over here and I was here. There. No. No. How do you know when you say you are a believer based on obedience? How do you know, Celeste, that that obedience is what God calls obedience. Do we see the significance of this? When you're talking to your friends. Oh, I'm, I believe in the word of God. I, I follow the word of God. I obey the word of God. Okay, great. Anton, when a person tells you that, do you know whether God would agree with him? You don't know. Renee, do you know that God would agree with that person? 
you don't know. Too many of us say, oh, great, brother, thank you, hallelujah. No, we shouldn't do that. We don't give false assurance until we know that that person either is or is not obeying according to the way God establishes the necessity of obedience. Because there's a heart behind the action. The action is only indicative of the heart. So if I am giving a 20% gift every week, do you know my heart? Yes or no? No. I could have a heart of pride and self-work. And that is as disobedient, Cody, as not giving at all. I could be giving a dollar a week, but doing it out of a heart for God, as I understand, and that would be called obedient. Do you understand this? The action is going to be indicative or revealing of the heart. But how are we going to determine whether my obedience is what God calls obedience? This is significant. It's pivotal. It's central. So let's try to go through some of this quickly. Not too quickly. John says this in verses 5 and 6. Whoever keeps God's word. In him, the love of God has truly been perfected. By the word, the word perfect here in the Bible. In you know, God is perfect. Going to be perfect as your father. It means mature, complete. It doesn't mean without error. Please do not think that the word perfect means without error. It means complete, mature. He says, in him the love of God has truly been perfected or is maturing, is completed. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him, him ought also to walk in the same way as Jesus walked. Did you see that? If there are two verses in the Bible that we must know concerning the validity and the truthfulness or the genuineness of our obedience to God, indicative of our salvation, are these two verses in 1 John chapter 2. These are two major verses. This is not just something to teach on Sunday morning. This is something to bring in to our minds and digest and cause them, allow them rather by the spirit to become part of our souls. I'm keeping the word of God. Why? In the love of God. And what does that look like? I'm, I am walking as Jesus walked. Do you see it? Do you see the three things? So let's go through the keeping. What does keep mean? Just very quick. It means to hold fast to, to observe, to adhere to, to perform, to remain, to stay in. It's a consistency word. It doesn't mean without failure or fault. It means I am walking, as I said the other day, a walk means parapeteo in the Greek means a way of life. Am I walking in obedience to God's word? That means I am moving along. I may stop for a moment or two. Does that mean I'm no longer walking in love? No, it means I've stopped. But if my life is characterized by this, I'm walking in Christ. I believe Jesus, I'm saved. Look, what are you going to say according to the authority of the word of God? What are you going to tell me? I'm a liar. I mean, didn't John tell you that in the beginning? 
If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, do you remember the word? Now, you may not want to use the word liar. I'm not walking. So let me show you what walking means. Watch me. Watch me. Everybody watch me. Now, Steve, is that what walking means? Is that a walk or a step? Which one was it, Steve? I ain't walking either. Okay. I think we understand. Is my walk a walk of? Is my walk a walking in? Is my walk a walking according to the Word of God? The Word of God. And if it is in him, the love of God has been truly perfected. How do I know that my obedience, my walk, according to the word, as I say, I'm obedient to the word. How do I know that I'm being obedient to the word of God? Because my life is more and more being formed and fashioned and characterized by the love of God. And I find that my life I am walking, what does it say, the last phrase there? Walked as what? As Jesus himself walked. Do you see that? The end of the verse. That's the way we are determined, we can determine by the Spirit's revelation that I'm walking according to God's will. That's the only way. You cannot determine whether you're walking in obedience to God's will by all these activities. The activities must be the result of God's love for me, in me, through me. Remember what Paul said? If I give my body to be burned, he told somebody that. If I give all this money, if I speak in tongues, but I have not what? Love. I am what? Dong, 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 dong. He tells you that. Where does he tell you that? First Corinthians what? 13. Go back and read the beginning of it. The apostle Paul is telling you the same thing that the apostle John is telling you here. So this morning, as we look at our lives, is my life, my thoughts, my thoughts? Think about your thoughts today, yesterday, the day before. Are my motives, you know what motives are? Why you do what you do, right? The reasons. Are my motives, have my motives, have my actions, Deeds or inactions, have these been characterized more and more as God's thoughts, motives, actions, deeds in me being expressed what? Out of me. You know, this lesson is a challenge to me. I mean, I sometimes 
And I'm not going to tell you what sometimes means. Sometimes it may do mean once in a great while for some people. Sometimes it may mean a whole lot more than that. I have difficulty with this. I find myself sometimes asking questions, not out of love, but out of other motives. I find myself thinking a particular way, not out of God's love, but out of another motive. Are you with me today on this? And I have to learn, and I am learning, and I hope you're learning, to more and more be sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit who speaks to me, who speaks to you, and who will give you an evaluation of what it is that you just done. And you will hear him in your mind. You will hear him in your feelings. You will hear him in your emotions. Do you know what I'm talking about here? You will hear God. And he will say something to you concerning whatever the issue is. And if you will confess, or at least meaning what? Homologeo means what? To agree with. Father, that's right. The way I just addressed my wife was not in love. I wasn't expressing the love of God to my wife just then, Wendy. I was expressing the love of Peter Davidson to my wife. I wasn't doing that. The Holy Spirit will tell us these things. God is the greatest teacher in the world. He will tell you. Constantly ask. Holy Spirit, reveal, deal, heal. Tell me, tell me, show me, help me, walk with me, empower me. Amen? Don't just make the Holy Spirit a casual, once-in-a-while person that we refer to religiously. He is our very life of God in us. Jesus literally, physically does not dwell in me. His Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, dwells in our hearts. Amen? Romans 5, 5, for the love of God, the love of God, remember this love has been what? Poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to me, given to us. The only way to know whether you're walking in the way Christ lived, walked in his love, is for the Holy Spirit to tell you. Now, be careful what I just said. Was that the truth? Yes. But can he tell you through various means? Can your wife tell you that that wasn't loving? You see, I don't mind God telling me anything. I don't mind God telling me anything. Isaac, what about you? Aren't there people who tell you things from God and you kind of like, oh. come on, brother. We all know how you are. We know how you are. We can look at you and tell how you are. That's right. The man's a human being. Oh, you thought I meant something else. I don't know what you thought I meant, but the man's a human being. I know what you're thinking. I know how you feel. I'm just an older human being than you are. 
and I've thought it a whole lot more over the years. I have 78 years. How old are you? How old? 28? I thought you were 46. <laughs> Listen, I don't mind being corrected by God. I just don't like my wife to be the instrument. I don't mind being shown something by God, but I don't like that person the way his attitude was who said it to me. I could receive it a lot better if you put some sugar on it. May I speak very frankly? In one level, to hell with how it was delivered to you. The content of the Holy Spirit is important. But then the delivery is important too. But it's not so important that I'm going to refuse the content. And how many of us bark at the content because the messenger was not that great? Come on, come on. Anybody in here? Yes, thank you. If so, we're denying the work of the Holy Spirit. I'm not walking in God's love. I'm not walking in God's word. This is a bigger issue than we think, isn't it? Jesus said in John 15, 10, if you obey my commandments, you will remain in my love. And I will tack this on as a caveat. We will remain in his love because the Holy Spirit now lives in us and he will maintain us in Christ. Amen. Remaining in his love is not an act of my will. It is an act of the will of God with which I am in agreement. Well, what happens if I begin to disobey purposefully for a long time? Well, first of all, I know that my God is able to discipline anybody. Amen. Amen. Don't you ever think, well, you can't tell them that because, you know, they may rebel. And it could be. Have any of you read 1 Corinthians 11, verse 30, I think it is? Remember, Paul is talking about the misuse of the communion meal. Do you remember that? All you guys are getting, rich guys are getting together, you all are eating and drinking, and then the poor people come in and ain't got nothing. Do, do you remember the context, chapter 11, 1 Corinthians? And he says, don't do this because you're dishonoring the body of Christ. And so indicative of the fact that they're continuing to do it or whatever. He says, for this reason, you know, as you continue in disobedience, I think it's verse 30. Some of you may be quick with the Bible and to show me. What? It is verse 30? Thank you, Cody. What's your name? So, here's what Jesus said. What, what if I just, I'm going to be disobedient. I'm not going to obey him. Okay. He's going to discipline you, but there are two ways of disciplining you. There are more than two, but at least two that are listed here. For this reason, some of you have gotten sick. Oh, my God. There we go. Every time we get. No, no. But there are illnesses that the Holy Spirit places on us in order to get our attention. Can you say amen? Every time or any time something begins to happen in your life, you better be wise and ask God, is, is you? Are you trying to say something to me or I'm not going to say it that way. God never tries. <laughs> I spit that out. Are you saying something to me that I'm needing to hear? Yes, because I need to hear everything. 
Are you saying something to me in this illness? But what's the other one? And some of you have even fallen asleep. What does that mean? You died. You died. I believe there are many believers who have died, if you would, before their time within this context because of their lifestyle. I don't believe that the Holy Spirit is going to allow a true believer of Christ to apostatize. I think you're going home first. You're a bad girl, you're coming home. Now you're going to inherit the Father and the kingdom, but you're going to have rewards and standing in heaven, a loss. You're going to have loss. Remember that? You're going to have a loss. You see, obedience must be acceptable to God. In order for it to be accepted, it must flow from a heart that is imbued with the love of God. By this we know, he ends this section, that we are in him. How? The one who says he abides in him, in Christ, in God, ought also to walk the same way Jesus walked. Our obedience is to look like Jesus' own obedience. Our obedience to the word of God and to the will of God is to look like, the, is to be the same, S-A-M-E, same, not a parroting, the same literal obedience the Holy Spirit is producing in me, the very same obedience that, that Jesus walked, that he was obedient to God, we are to be obedient with the same obedience by the power of his Holy Spirit. And we are to be relating to one another in the same way as Jesus relates to us, which is next week, and I'm getting ahead of myself. So what is the criteria here? Jesus says, I love the Father and do exactly what the Father has commanded me. This is biblical obedience. That we relate to God in any and every circumstance the very same way, with the very same heart, and for the very same purpose, the glory of the Father, with which Jesus related to the Father. Amen? That's what biblical obedience is. I hope this morning the Holy Spirit has been speaking to our hearts about this. Amen. Next week, we'll begin to talk about, having talked about the moral test, we'll begin to talk about the relational test. Thank you so much.